With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSEN. Welcome back in. It is hour number two on the Lombardi line presented by BetMGM with Michael Lombardi. I'm Ben Wilson in for Patrick. Patrick back tomorrow on the show. We have the update to Michael after a postgame practice press conference from Sean McDermott in Buffalo. His exact quote today on the injured quarterback, Josh Allen. He's day to day. The next question is going to be, will he play? We'll see. Betting market's not convinced of that. Money keeps coming towards Minnesota. We're at either three and a half on the bills or four. That's what, uh, Je- that's what Sean McDermott had to say, and I know you're not optimistic that, that uh, Allen will be giving it a go this week either there with that elbow sprain. Yeah, I, and I think, you know, just looking at my board as we start the second hour of the show, you know, Carolina's going to go down to two and a half, it looks like. There seems to be some movement. There's 115 here in DraftKings. At, uh, they're already at two and a half. DraftKings at 115. Uh, so there's some shops there. If you, if you like uh, Atlanta – you know, the, that number's coming back towards you. If you like Carolina, it's getting away from you. And then I think the Seattle, Seattle's going to two and a half now. I think Seattle will close at two before this is all said and done. I, I, I don't know what to make of the Buffalo. We're all day to day, you and I. I, I see mm-hmm. three and a halves and four straight across the board here for me now. I don't know which, what ones you're, what board yep. you're looking at. I'm surprised the, the Raider line hasn't moved because I, 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 kind of, I mean, look, the Raiders – the, the Patriots were favored by six against the Colts last week. I thought – I knew the Colts would lose, but I, I thought six was too much based on how the Patriots played offensively. Then I watched the game. I don't know if the Patriots could have played any worse offensively. I mean, they were average 3-3 a play, only to be defeated by a team that averaged 2.0 a play. So, you know, maybe six is the right number. I don't know. I'm, I'm fascinated that, that there hasn't been movement in that line. Right. Well, and it, it also goes back to when you talk about how you make your own lines for every single game, how do you make a line with Raiders Colts and factor in the, the coaching issues going at play there for, for Indy? How much did that factor into the line you made? Well, I mean, it factors. It's That's how you start the game. I mean, Indy's now – so I give out grades for coaching staffs. I give out grades for quarterbacks. And that is no different than that grade that you would get for how many punts per per play you have, right? So it's all it's all in the equation, and it changes every week. I mean, let's say this: Seattle's grade this week one at quarterback is way different than Seattle's grade this week at quarterback, right? One one week it was thirty-two, this week it's seven or five. You know, I mean, it all it's it's because of the way he's playing. 
So let's just put the Colts are the, the bottom coach team in the league with the worst quarterback. That's the starting point. And from there, you now get Raiders by the six. As you point out, not a lot of movement on this game. There's been a lot of movement elsewhere, including uh, not only in the lines for week 10, but also the futures market as well. We've seen a flip now. Patrick Mahomes is the new MVP. Pass at least a favorite right now, passing Josh Allen. Jalen Hurts has also passed Josh Allen up to second now. And Lamar Jackson still holding firm Michael at fourth after a pretty impressive performance Monday night for Baltimore. And it's now the Ravens getting a little action too in the AFC futures market. They're now the third favorite behind only the Bills and Chiefs here. Had to like what you saw Monday night and a a pretty dominant, convincing win for Baltimore. Yeah, I mean, I thought they played really well. And and I thought I was disappointed in how New Orleans – I thought New Orleans would have played much better last week. They didn't. Uh, You know, they proved me wrong. I mean, get a home dog in New Orleans, uh, especially after they played well the week before – you know, and they dominated the Raiders with some time off. And look, that they, they just got they got dominated. The game, you know, when they punted the ball back and it got fourteen to nothing, you could just sense that game was over, right? I mean, you yeah. knew that was going to happen. And so I, I I felt like, and the Raiders looked better on the. I'm excuse me, the Ravens looked much better on defense. And when when New Orleans can't run the football, you know, they averaged three two a carry. They couldn't get anything going, and the ball's going to be in Andy Dalton's hands way too much. You've got problems. And I think Lamar did. What we've all said, I mean, they're running the six-back attack. He had a long run of 17 in the game. You know, he only has 10 incompletions. He's not trying to force the ball down the field. And, you know, likely was the tight end that, you know, I mean, he catches the first touchdown pass there. So, you know, even without Mark Andrews, you know, he was going to try to throw the ball to likely. He had one catch for the game. I thought he would get more, but, you know, they didn't need it because they were able to run the ball against the Saint run defense that I thought would play better. Look, my two contest losses this past week, Micah, were the Colts and the Saints. And did I look idiotic on both of the, both of those losses? I was with you. Certainly liked the spot for the Saints. Big reason why the Saints were a bet that got a lot of support in the market was you had a number one rush defense taking on a Baltimore team that the perception is pretty one-dimensional. But we now find ourselves asking, who is the Saints team? Three and six. Yeah. You were the number one rush defense, but you give up three different 11-plus play scoring drives. You allow nine different third down conversions. Who are you right now at the midseason yeah. point? At 60% on third down, you know, and, and they only got one third down by penalty. I mean, think about this, and I always keep track of this. The, the Saints had 13 first downs total for the game, and two of them came by penalty by the Ravens. So, you know, I mean, so I, I think to me it's really challenging. And so, you, you, you know, the, the, the Saints are just – they're, they're all over the place. And it's not because they didn't have Michael Thomas. And, you know, everybody says, well, they don't have Jarvis Landry. I, that, Jarvis Landry isn't going to tilt the field. He's too slow. You know, to me, it's their offensive line got beat up. And I thought we saw Baltimore's defensive front really play well. And I think that was the difference in the game. New Orleans now has to go on the road to a team coming off the bye. And you, you figure, is it even a possibility to trust them laying points on the road? Laying two and a half right now in the market. T.J. Watt is rumored to be potentially on track to return this week for Pittsburgh. That has not been confirmed yet. What we do know is the Steelers have a new kicker this week. They had to sign Matthew Wright off of Kansas City's practice squad. Chris Boswell still dealing with a groin injury, and that could be very significant as we get towards November. We know kicking at Heinz Field, Acrisure Stadium, it's not easy when it starts to get cold. So that could be one angle you look at for this week. On an already very low total, Michael, of 40 and a half. Yeah, I mean, you would think Dennis Allen would give Kenny, Kenny Pickett a lot of troubles with his pressure package, right? You would think that, okay? I think that, to me, 
this sets up for New Orleans with all their blitzes. And if they can, Nigel Harris can't run the ball. Their offensive line is bad. You know, Mike Tomlin does have a week to get ready for the game. Maybe that makes a difference. But once again, getting weak for the game, they can't practice. They have to have four days off. So it's impossible. So, I, I mean, to me, on this, this is one of those where initially, you know, Monday when you look at the sheets, the first right. thing you write down is, I, I wrote Saints down Monday. That was before they played Monday night. I'm like, how are they only a two-and-a-half-point dog to, to a favorite to uh, Pittsburgh? I mean, and then when I ran my numbers this week, and I looked at it, I'm like, okay, now I see why. Because my numbers for the game, had they had they I had Pittsburgh a 2.93. I mean, I had the Saints as a 2.93 favorite. So pretty much right on the number where it's at. And as you yeah. talk about, I mean, you're looking at spots where you make the number, and it's it's several points off from what the betting market number is. You feel like there's, uh, there's an edge there. But it goes to the entire state of this NFC South where New yeah. Orleans, they dropped back from 4-1, to one, now 5-1 to one to win the division, a game back of a four and five duo of Falcon and Tampa Bay Bucks teams at this point. Tampa has moved to near $2 favorites to win the division. We've seen how the Falcons have looked very unconvincing over the past couple of weeks, getting blown out in Cincinnati, fortunate win in overtime against the Panthers, and then had a back and forth coin flip game where they barely hang, they barely hung on originally. Chargers end up coming back, beating them by three. If you're, if you're still looking at this objectively long-term, is there a path where one in five tries the Saints somehow figure it out, win the division, or are you just at the point where you're staying away from this division entirely? It's so hard to handicap. I mean, both teams that are played tomorrow night got blown out by Cincinnati, right? Both teams did. Obviously, they weren't prepared to play. Uh, you know, I think Carolina, I thought Carolina was making some progress, but defensively, they get so disappointing to me at times. When I think that when you can count on them, you can't count on them. The thing I got mad at myself last week, I recommended New Orleans last week. And and I and I I always have a rule and I violated it and I didn't think of it is when teams are going to a bye like Miami has a bye next week usually those teams play really well New England had a bye last week when you're going into a bye and you're playing home I think there's a great motivation by the players to really play their best I really do you know and I mean that line in Cleveland Miami is coming the other way now. Right. I mean, it opened up at four. I think it's a three and a half now. Right. So I think Miami could be a strong play because I do think that buy they're going to go in the buy. Seattle and Tampa have buys coming back from Munich. Right. I'm not going to count them. Jacksonville has a buy coming back from Denver, coming back from Kansas, Kansas City. You know, we know Kansas City doesn't cover very well. I don't trust. I don't trust Jacksonville, even though they won. But uh, plus Kansas City played a doubleheader last week. Offensively, I think Kansas City was embarrassed by what they did offensively. So, you know, I would never think they're going to upset them, take the points different. But I think Miami's in pretty good shape. It's a very good, I think, pro tip of the hour here, Vison, of which we give you one every single hour that you're talking about, Michael. Looking at teams who have their bye weeks the following week, and you look at the, traditionally those teams generally perform, especially if they're at home. Home teams with a bye week the following week generally look pretty sharp and, and ready to go in those particular spots. We told you last hour, our, our tip of uh, hour number one, looking at uh, just looking at recent form, right? So if you're combining recent form with teams heading into bye weeks and you look at Miami and Cleveland, for example, uh, outside of the Monday night game we saw it, and, and Cleveland plays their best game of the year against Cincinnati, then goes into a bye. Miami, say what you want about the defense, but offense has been clicking on all cylinders. Bye week next week for the Dolphins, home game, 
Is this a spot where you're, you're looking to go against the market that has had a ton of money come in on the Browns these last two days? Yeah, I, I'm going to go. I would go against the market here because I think that the Browns still, what's the weakness of the Browns? They have trouble, trouble covering. If they can block Miles Garrett, Tua should have a good day. I mean, you know, now I, I don't trust the coach for going for it on fourth down and some of the horrible decisions he makes. But, you know, I think that number is coming down. Let me see here. I got it. It's at three and a half now. A lot of shops mm-hmm. at three and a half. There's some fours, but I think it's going to end up at three and a half. I hate giving up that hook. There's no doubt about that. It was and at five and a half, too, uh, at open. But second straight week, this will be the market going against Miami. We saw all that money to the Bears. Uh, yeah. We can maybe have that discussion up next, Michael, because the Bears, it looks like they're, whatever you want to say about Justin Fields, they're starting to turn the corner. I got lots to say about Justin Fields. Uh, He's not a quarterback. (laughs) I mean, that's not hard to say. I I mean, he's a running back. I listen, well, I listen to you and Femi on the the GM shuffle. I I know, I know your point has been well documented on Justin Fields. We'll figure out also what to make of that Bears-Lions line this week. A lot of toggling back and forth in the market. A lot of interesting underdogs getting some movement in their direction. We'll break those situations down next here on the Lombardi line. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. College basketball started, and now is the time to get your copy of our annual betting guide at over 400 pages. It's our biggest betting guide ever with odds, trends, power ratings, and analysis on every team. And our team of experts, including Greg Hoops-Peterson and Matt Humans, provide their predictions for win totals, futures, conference champions, tournament teams, 
and breakdown of all 60 coaching changes since last season. The only way to get the guide is to become a VEASAN Pro subscriber. Sign up now for just $99 and, be, and get VEASAN Pro access to everything we do all the way through the Super Bowl. Sign up today at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Back with Michael. I'm Ben here on a Wednesday. Big thanks to our producer, Matt Santos, behind the glass at downtown Las Vegas, our Circus Sportsbook Studios. Michael, the theme really of week 10 has been a lot of underdogs getting support in the betting market. And this game we'll talk about right now, Lions and Bears, it's been a little more of the two-way variety where the Bears got some early money when this opened at two and a half. But as soon as it got up to three, we have had that support coming back the other way for Detroit. Just the second time all year, Chicago has been a favorite. Last time was against the Houston Texans when they were laying a similar number. Lions' best defensive output of the season. Bears' offense has somehow now found something over the past few weeks with Luke Etsy, the offensive coordinator. Uh, what do you make of the matchup here? Well, I think they got it. You know, this they found out who they are, right? So they need to run the ball. I mean, they ran it what forty times. They know Justin Fields isn't a drop back passer. They know Justin Fields has got to run the six back offense. And so I think ultimately that's what they're doing, and they're doing a good job with it. They've always tried to run the ball, but they've tried to be a West Coast offense, and now they've said, you know what, let's just go and run the six-back attack. I think the interesting thing about this game is the last five is how bad Detroit has been, not the same offensively as they were earlier in the season. You know, they're still fourth, fourth points per play, but their fourth quarter rating's horrible. Their points per play defense is horrible. Their last five games is horrible. You know, their points per play over the last five weeks is 25th. So they haven't really, as you know, you look at all the numbers, they haven't been very good. So this game kind of favors Chicago. It's not very good defensively either now. I mean, this is two bad defenses going against one another. I think the speed of fields, I think when you play this six-back attack, you've got to look at, and you're betting, the when you're handicapping the game, you've got to look at the defensive front of the team they're playing. The Lions are not fast up front. They don't have a fast middle linebacker. They don't have fast defensive linemen. What we saw from Baltimore was how fast they played, you know, with Queen and, and Rokon and their defensive front to be able to slow down the six-back attack. I think it's going to be a real problem for Detroit to slow down Chicago. Now, can Chicago slow down Detroit? I think so, especially considering that, you know, Mr. Goff has got to play outdoors, and it doesn't sound like it's going to be perfect weather up there either. As, as good as it was, maybe surprisingly so, last week, good weather at Soldier Field in Chicago. We'll get the updated forecast on that in a second, but you would not expect the conditions to be 33 great. degrees yeah. and, 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 and 10 mile an hour winds. I think it's an easy play for the Bears right here. I think you yeah. play the Bears and you just say, okay, if, if I lose to Goff in 33 degree weather, which I, don't, I think, I, I don't think, I don't, I don't, I don't have it. I used to keep track of it when he was at, but anytime he's been under 40 degrees, it's been a disaster. We, I know we did this a, a few weeks ago when Goff went to New England and he was averaging barely 200 yards per game in outdoor conditions. Record was not very good. And that was, and that was, it was basically a little bit inflated by a early season game in Chicago. I think it was week two or week three, his first year as the Lions starter. Numbers have not been good for Goff outdoors as a result. And you just you wonder though for for the Bears if you're thinking about the matchup against Detroit's defense, 24th in run stop win rate that ESPN puts together, 28th against the run. Thinking as you talk about Michael, this should be a very good matchup for the Bears and Justin Fields. The question though, long term, is can this can this new strategy that Luke Getze and the Bears have have gone to and figured out as a strength? How sustainable is that as defenses eventually the good defenses, not Detroit, start to make adjustments and, and try to counteract some of those things the Bears are doing? 
I think there's not enough good defenses to really handle it, right? I don't think people have a rhythm of it, how to deal with it. You've got to have a certain kind of team to deal with it. And it's not much scheme. It's about their talent. I mean, nobody's going to out-scheme Belichick, but he didn't have enough fast guys to really handle it. That, that's a concern, you know? And so if you're not fast on defense, if you don't have a fast middle linebacker and you don't have fast defensive ends like the Jets do or like, or, or like San Francisco does, then it becomes a real problem for you. And then it, when you're playing it on the grass – you know, it, it, you think it slows the game down, but it slows the defense down, too. I think it's going to be a real challenge for the Lions. I really do. Now, look, I know the Bears are not good on defense, but this is a game I think it favors the Bears weather-wise and going against their opponent. I mean, the Lions, to me, can they handle success? You know, they cut that win last week. And can they play well outdoors? You know, I, I have my doubts about that. And we've seen the market, too, just explode to the over here. It's 45 and a half at open, seeing 48 and a half now. I, I was among the many, I'm sure, Michael, who had in-game overs in that uh, Packers-Lions game. Seeing the movement and the ball movement for Green Bay, I think I took over 41 and a half in that game. And you're just sitting there pulling, you know, pulling your hair out with all the red zone uh, interceptions by Green Bay. It's like, it, what, like, did, did Detroit really do anything? I mean, they took advantage of the probably the. Wouldn't you say that was the worst Aaron Rodgers start of his career? I certainly felt like it was. Looking back at all the numbers, I, I thought it was. I mean, it was a bad Packer offense. I didn't understand what the Packers were trying to do offensively. I mean, the week before, they ran the ball effectively. You know, that was the saving grace in Buffalo. They were actually got their running game going. And in this game, they come in, and they're not trying to run the ball. You know, and, and, he, and some of the decision-making, the third down, the fourth down call, you know, that gets tipped, the, 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 half, the pass to the tight end, I mean, is ridiculous. Let's go back to Chicago here for a second. I mean, yeah. there's 84% of the tickets have been written up on the Bears, right? They, they're – they're, nobody's betting the Lions. 91% of the money is all on the Bears. That's scar- that always week. scares yep, you. I know. I'm with you. I'm with you on that as well. <laughs> as well. It's always – no, and that's – th- I mean, that was the one uh, concern I think a lot of us in the market had on Seattle last week. Very popular team as well. But, you know, sometimes those teams do end up getting the job done and covering. Bears looking to get that job well, done. Well, I mean, just the go the other way. I mean, we've been ta- – like, we were talking off air – I mean, we, we sit there and talk about this quote-unquote sharp plays. Last week it was the Raiders. Last week it was, you know, I mean, all these other sharp Raiders, none of them, Saints, I mean, yeah, those are the two big Saints, ones I mean, week. none of them are, like, they're, nothing's sharp. Everybody's looking at the same data. Like, I sometimes we use this term sharp like there's a crystal ball. Like, it's everybody's analyzing the game in different ways. And I think ultimately logic has to prevail, you know. And, and I, I always, to me – the only thing that I look at those money splits, which everyone should, is because I know those casinos and those sports books don't lose money, and typically the public does. So you right. always don't want to be on the side of the public. It's a I'm not saying yeah. I want to be on the side of the sharps. I don't want to be on the side of the of the public in terms of all that. It's a very good thing to just have in in your you know in the back of your mind going into all these weeks, just not using it blindly to bet, but just understanding where the action is coming in and out of. Not that that should really dictate the actual bets that you make. Another good example this week is is we're looking at some big movers, especially two underdogs this week. Houston Texans getting a lot of support off of a Thursday night performance where they have now the extra couple of days. Yet, usually you have the big edge for these Thursday night teams, Michael, coming off with the extra couple of days. But Texans have that negated by the Giants coming off of their bye. We last saw the Giants losing that game on the road to Seattle. So this opened seven we're down to – we'll update our screen here in a second because this, as I look four at the updated half. screen, four and a half now. 
and it's not really any huge, significant injuries here on the Giants. Uh, what do you think people are seeing in the Texans this week? I think the, I think the Giants, I think Seattle, I think Minnesota to a degree is, I think there's a false sense that they're all carrying a ticking bomb that, that everybody's scared to bet them because they eventually, they know they're not very good and the bomb's going to go off, right? You know, it's like, is it this going to be the week where they play bad? Like, we know they're bad. Like, they're not very – it's like Tennessee. We know they're not bad. I, I, I was talking to a player in the league yesterday, you know, that – then and they were talking about – we were talking about Vrabel and the amazing job he's done. And the guy and the guy volunteers – you know, they're not any good over there. They're terrible on offense. They have no rece- – and he went through the whole list of it like I was giving it, you know. And so it's the truth. It's the truth. I mean, it's like – you. and so every time you want to play – like Tennessee – you know, I want to play them against uh, uh, Denver. That's three points. But is this the week where Tennessee l- plays as bad as their talent is? I don't know. I think that's a lot with the Giants. Because mm-hmm. in this game, when I visualize this game in my head, Davis Mills is going to have a hard time along with Pep Hamilton handling the pressure. They're going to get blitzed. They're going to get, and they're going to turn the ball over. Now, the Giants might not be able to run the ball as well. They pretty much can. I mean, Houston might be able to run the ball against the Giants. But when the game's on the line and it's third down, where are the Texans going to make plays against pressure? Now, I'm sure they'll get healthier at receiver. They'll get all their guys back. Maybe Brendan Cooks will even play. But I don't know how they do that. And and as the game goes on all year, Houston has always fallen apart in the fourth mm-hmm. quarter. They're one of the worst fourth quarter teams in football. Seemingly the the big move, as you talked about Brandon Cooks, he is expected to be a full participant in practice this week. They expect to have him back. Same deal with Nico Collins. So you would assume, again, the couple extra days off of Thursday night. Teams have been good coming off of Thursday night, 8-2 and two against the number over the past five weeks this season. Again, though, this is the first time we've seen that negated, that rest edge by the bye week of the Giants. And uh, to me, you have a Texan run defense that's 28th in the league, a giant rush offense that, as we know, has been very effective with Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones. That is the big the big question mark. If you're looking to back Houston in this spot, how do you get past that uh, in, this, in this specific matchup? Uh, so Texans and Giants, another interesting matchup. We'll talk Thursday Night Football to back end our show. But up next, Harry Gagnon, the H-Dog, from the Against All Odds podcast. He has plays ready to fire on the Week 10 NFL card. We'll discuss next. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Hey, speaking of Michael Lombardi, he's got a column right now at VSIN.com on the Colts coaching situation. We also have Josh Applebaum targeting the main games in the NFL Week 10 card that wise guys are looking at right now. There are six of them. And then in the Visa newsletter for our pro subscribers, California voters, they rejected both propositions that would have legalized sports betting in the state of California. So not to, not great developments there after what we saw last night on election night. Now, as we welcome you back, though, and Patrick Maher, who is in California. I know Michael's cer- certainly disappointed with that. Uh, Patrick will be back on yeah. the show tomorrow. I wonder if Harry, uh, Harry Gagnon, who joins us, Harry bets everything. And we always talk NFL betting with Harry. I, I feel like like the election betting is now a thing. Apparently, it's nothing I've ever gotten into. But I've, Harry seems like the perfect guy who probably has been betting election stuff. Harry, I don't know if that's true at all. But you just, you, Harry, you bet on everything. You seem like the type of guy who would be finding edges in the betting markets on this stuff. You, you know, guys, I, you know, that, that, I, you would think that maybe I would. I haven't dabbled there. Sal was, by the way, Michael. Uh, Sal was all over it this uh, this past uh, election. Sal had bets on that all over the place. But you know. A okay. little, a little. Dis- Listen, I didn't think it was going to pass in California, guys. 
but a little disappointing with the outcome of being 80% no. A little, yeah. a little makes it a little disappointing, a lot disappointing actually. And uh, moving forward to next year, maybe uh, doesn't look like I don't know if I don't know if you can swing that so quickly in a year. And you know, it's kind of kind of rough. I would say pretty yeah, no uh, shocking that it was yes. Not only did it not pass, but that uh, that vehemently against 80% to the no there on that uh, that prop 27 in California. Uh, Harry, good week for you on the on the straight bets yeah. last week. Who would have thought uh, Bills would be the team to kill your money line parlay? Uh, it's just a crazy yeah. turn of events now for a Bills team that all of a sudden might uh, might be without its quarterback for this upcoming week. Yeah, well, you can't trust the Bills now. I mean, what's going on? I don't know who you can trust, but. Uh, that was a beautiful call, uh, I think, last week. Michael, you loved uh, you loved the Titans, too. I loved the way they played their game. They gave them a little cushion there with those nine points right off the bat after uh, Tennessee got that first field goal. But you know what? I think over uh, Kansas got that first field goal, punched it up to nine. Then uh, Tennessee's defense bent, but it didn't break. And uh, that was a nice pick with the plus 14. That was way too many. Yeah, although you know, I thought if it, with Tannehill, I thought it was going to be, and then when Willis came in, I think there's no. How can they score? You know, how can mm-hmm. they score? And you know, and for Vrabel to be able to do what he did in that game is just remarkable. Where when he got no help at all from his offense, I mean, they had two drives right. in the game. That was it. Yeah, that was it. And then, like I said, they they held the you know Kansas City a couple field goal tries, and they missed one too, that which was nice for them. They kept them in the game, and they covered pretty easily. Five forward completed football passes for Malik Willis last week. Titans, though, to get the cash. And you think about your other your other win there, Harry. It was Dolphins-Bears. You identified a very weak Bears defense and an improving Bear offense. That game was not even a sweat, over 45 and a half. Are you going back to the well this week with that same thought here, Bears and Lions, two more bad defenses going at it? Well, how about this? How about this? I'm, I got a seven-point teaser, guys. Let's do a seven-point okay. teaser here, <laughs> including that game. I'm going to take... First off, I'm going to take the Denver-Tennessee game. I'm using Tennessee again. I'm going to take the Denver-Tennessee game from 39 up to 46. I'm going to go under 46. And you mentioned that, that Detroit-Chicago game. I'm going to go from 48.5 down to 41.5, and I'm taking the over there. Look, Tennessee's defense, uh, like I said, bent but didn't break on Sunday night versus Kansas City. They have allowed 20 points or less Tennessee in five straight games. Denver is 30th in the league in scoring. Yet on defense, that has kept them around in games, and they're second in points against this season. And in their last three meetings, last three meetings between Denver and Tennessee, the final scores have been 13-10, 16-0, and 16-14. And now on the out over in the Bears-Detroit game, yeah, Justin Fields, I think he's better. I think he's better right now than Lamar Jackson is at running the ball. I said last week, his legs will keep him. His legs will keep drives alive for them. Chicago, the last three weeks, have scored 33, 29, 32. Detroit is averaging actually 24 points a game, and they're last, last in the NFL in points allowed. So I'm going to go Denver, Tennessee under 46. Detroit, Chicago over 41 and a half, seven point teaser. Love it. Yeah, I mean, I can't disagree. I mean, who do you like in the game? Like, who do you like, Chicago? Detroit. I mean, would you lay the three with Chicago, or would you take Detroit in the three? I think I would lay the three with Chicago right now because, listen, Detroit played a great game against Green Bay. Nice interceptions against uh, um, Aaron Rodgers. Didn't allow anything, really, on the ground. 
I like what the Detroit did last week, but I just don't see them putting up that type of effort after getting this win again in Chicago because this offense for Chicago all of a sudden is something else with Justin Fields. I mean, he's putting up the numbers, and just once he gets, once he has these design runs and he makes a move and he gets five yards downfield, in a, in a heartbeat, we saw that against Miami. In a heartbeat, he can go for 50 and change the dynamic of the game. He could flip a switch because of his legs. I'm taking Chicago. We, we both agree with you on that, Harry. I know the other spot you're looking at from a side perspective this week, you went against Kansas City a week ago laying that ginormous number up to two touchdowns against Tennessee. Smaller number this week, but still over a touchdown, minus nine and a half, basically market-wide against Jacksonville. Have the Jags shown you enough with finally putting it all together for 60 minutes against the Raiders last week to warrant a bet on in this particular spot in Arrowhead? I do. I do like the Jaguars. I wouldn't buy it. I'd buy it up to 10. But you wouldn't think it, but the Jags' defense is pretty good, and it's keeping them in games, guys. From week 11 to the end of the season last year, the Jags lost by 14 points or more five times. This season, in their six losses, they have yet, Yet to lose by double digits. I feel confident that the Titans did what the, the Titans did last week in being able to run the ball. Uh, Travis Etienne has three straight 100-yard rushing games, and Jacksonville is 2-1 and one straight up versus the AFC West this year and probably should have beaten Denver and London. For whatever reason this year, the Chiefs uh, are a better team on the road than an Arrowhead at home KC is 0-4 against the spread this season and are 0-2 this season against the spread versus the AFC South. As long as Trevor, Trevor Lawrence can hold on the ball, considering he does have five fumbles lost this season, I think 10 points. If you get grab 10, I think that's too many here. I'm taking Jacksonville with the points. You know, I, I mean, I would be with you there too, because, I, but I don't, you know, Peterson is always someone that's hard to trust, especially with his game plans. Last week, he basically decided to let the quarterback participate but run the ball, and he did a great job with that. And that's the offense they have to run, and they can pressure. I mean, look, they kicked the Raiders' butt up front. I mean, they made no bones about mm-hmm. it. They they took it to the woodshed. And this this chief offensive line got beat up last week by four rushers of, of Tennessee. Tennessee really right. gave them a ton of trouble. And going in, I mean, oh, Kansas man. City, they had, yeah. they had been a pretty solid rush defense team. And I'm sure as you watch that, uh, Harry, you were you were satisfied to see the way uh, Derrick Henry and the offense kind of blasted him away. Um, and I, I know you're not someone who normally buys up points, but this was that spot where you did feel like at least getting a little more insurance, getting it up to the flat 10 there would be more advantageous, at least to you, than the nine and a half. Yeah, I just do. I just want to just want to make sure it's 10. You know, you guys always, we all know how games can end crazy like that and with situations in terms of, um, uh, you know, maybe uh, something happens late. I want to get 10. I want a solid number here when it comes to the shred. There we go. All right. We, we, we've, we've actually done a good job this week, Harry, of giving you some time to explain your money line parlay instead of having to jam it in the final minute. <laughs> right, so okay. please explain. Right. You're getting, we're getting back on the horse this week, Harry. I can feel it. Hey, listen, I know when the music starts. I know what to roll it. I, I know. You're a pro. So I like <laughs> Listen, here we go. Another three-team three money line parlay. Going to play plus, plus 164, guys. I'm going to take the Falcons on Thursday night, minus 160, against Carolina. The Panthers, 31st in the league in offense. And on defense, they are 28th versus a run in Atlanta, who's fourth in the league, rushing with 163 yards a game. Uh, running back by committee uh, here. They have, you know, the Falcons. The Falcons have four rushers on the team, including Marcus Murray. Four rushers who have 299 yards or more. Give me the Falcons on Thursday night. They get it done against Carolina. 
The Raiders, oh, the Raiders minus 265 versus the Colts. Both teams are in disarray, but at least Las Vegas has Devontae Adams. I think he's going to be the difference here. And let's close it out on Monday night. Eagles minus 550 versus Washington. Philly handled Washington quite easily on the road earlier this season. Washington isn't going to be able to stop Hurts. They're not going to be able to stop the entire offense of the Eagles. I'm taking Eagles, Raiders, Falcons, pays plus 164 all on the money line. You know, I, I mean, when I watched that, when I watched the Minnesota game, how Minnesota really dominated the game up front. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they're right. They, they couldn't block Minnesota. I don't know how they're going to block Philadelphia. I think Washington's offensive line, especially when it goes on the road, is going to have a hard time. Yeah, uh, that that Atlanta Carolina game that will probably be your sweat uh, there, Harry, because it's like it's hard to. I know Carolina's been awful, and they are starting PJ Walker again. Mike, we'll have Michael's full thoughts on the other side of the Thursday night game, but. I mean, Atlanta, just, I had them last week, Harry, and it was like pulling teeth, man. Just, just trying to put things together after they had the first, uh, that original 10, nothing lead. If you look at all, I know, but you're right. Exactly. But if you look at all, pretty much the whole season for the Falcons, you're right, but it, it's a sweat every week. I mean, every week it's down to the wire. I mean, we, we discussed two weeks ago what happened in, uh, you know, the Panthers, um, game where it was 37-34 yeah. craziness at the end. And last week also against the Chargers, they lose by three when they could have won that game. But I think on the road here in the division, Panthers don't have it. Atlanta gets it. Gets I just loved it. That both, you know, both Harry and I, we had that Falcon money line play two weeks ago. Oh. Sweat of our lives. And Harry's going back to the well. No hesitation oh, sure. whatsoever. Harry at, at AAO Harry. You can find Harry there. Appreciate the H-Dog for giving us some time. We'll get Michael's thoughts on Thursday Night Football when we return. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points. You can redeem for online bonus credits like free bets. It's never been easier to join the action on the new BetMGM app, featuring a fresh redesign with improved features and quicker navigation. Planning a trip to Vegas? You can also convert your BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points you can use towards dining shows and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM resorts located on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. BetMGM Rewards is sports betting's premier loyalty program, including exclusive offers, incredible experiences, and valuable perks when you wager with BetMGM. Sign up with BetMGM or log in today to take advantage of BetMGM Rewards. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Big thanks, as always, to Harry Gagdon for joining the show. Just to make sure everybody is aware, his one play, we flash it up on the screen, is two separate plays, but that is a seven-point two-team uh, totals teaser there. So, again, Harry, he's got the over 41.5 in Bears and Lions, and he's taking under 46 in the Broncos game against the Titans. Just wanted to, to clarify there. And the stat we were talking about earlier, Michael, we made sure we looked it up, had all, had the actual numbers behind it for our hour number two pro tip. Looking to mm-hmm. back these home teams heading into the bye week, they're 7-1 and one ATS and straight up the season, Michael. Those eight home teams with their bye week the following week. So as you mentioned, it, uh, the numbers do support everything you were saying earlier. Yeah, it's just to me, it's a it's a mentality. You know, it's kind of like an encouragement. It's a dangling the carrot in front of the team. Hey, if we play good, you're going to get all these days off. Let's give it everything we got. Let's worry, you know, and they do. And, and even though the Patriots, I, you know, the Patriots played horribly offensively. You know, they averaged 3.3 yards per play. They turned it over one time, but they were just a little bit better than the, the Colts who got a punt blocked and didn't make any plays. So, I think it's something to look at, and, and the team that kind of qualifies in that area is Miami. I mean, look, you know, there's a lot of things going for Miami well, and they're they're moving the ball really effectively offensively, and they're playing against a Cleveland team, and they know the quarterback in Brissett. I mean, so, you know, they know what bothers Brissett. The organization has seen Brissett. He was on the team last year, so Josh Boyer, the defense coordinator, should know how to attack him. It sets up well for them as they go into their bye. Obviously, the three and a half isn't as attractive if it gets down to three, right. but I still think it's a good play. Yeah, three and a half or four, depending on the market. That is, as Michael said, the one team that qualifies this week, Miami at home against Cleveland. As far as tomorrow, Thursday night football, it's a game we will have just seen only 10 days in between the two meetings, Panthers and Falcons. We've seen some money come back to the Carolina side. It was Falcons minus three. Yeah. Some of those threes now juiced to the Carolina side. Cobble books have gone down to two and a half. What's different when you look at two teams who just played each other within a 10-day span that might be unique, Michael, from, say, playing in week two and then week nine in the division? Well, I think what happens is you go back and watch the tape and you say, okay, here's what we did. Here's how they adjusted. Here's what we adjusted. Now where do we go? The difference in this game is going to be Cordell Patterson wasn't in the last game. Okay? And so and, and, and the Panthers struggled to stop the run in that game. And so they've got to do a better job of that. Now, is A.J. Terrell going to play? Is, is, what's the secondary like for Atlanta? Because when they played them 10 days ago, it wasn't very good. And Carolina threw the football. I mean, Carolina, I think if you're sitting there saying, I'm going to take Atlanta because Carolina was bad last week, then you forgot how bad Atlanta was when they played Cincinnati. Yeah. Right? So you almost have to throw that game out. And it's a home game. And, you know, sit, Carolina fired two more coaches after the game. 
Uh, one of the guys was, was Matt Rule's recruiting coordinator going back to Baylor, who was a secondary coach, and Paul Pascaloni, the former Syracuse coach, who was coaching the D-line, which I happen to think were playing pretty good. So they're trying to fix it. Like, Carolina's not giving up on the season. And I think ultimately, you know, this is their season. They've got to find a way to beat Atlanta or else they're in deep trouble. They already are in deep trouble because I don't think they're a playoff team. But the reality of it is this is a game that they should be able to win. I mean, I'm surprised they went back with P.J. Walker right away. I thought for sure they would go with Baker Mayfield. But I think they really feel like P.J. gives them a chance to throw it down the field. I guess you would have to think that the the coaching staff right now, the interim Steve Wilkes in Carolina for a 2-7 and seven team, if you're going with P.J. Walker this week after he went 3 of 10 for 9 yards and 2 interceptions, are you thinking that the only rationale is, well, let's just throw out the Bengal game, bad matchup against the 7th-ranked pass D, and let's just kind of hope that the exact same thing we just saw in the previous game with over 300 passing yards, over 6.5 yards of play, over 400 yards of offense, that manifests again. Because I, I can't think of another reason where you would give Walker another start here, Michael. Well, I mean, he played really good in that game. You know, he played good in the game against the team or get ready to play, and he's and he's and he game planned against them. And when you don't have any practice, like you didn't have any practice this week, those practice reps that he got the week before are going to serve him well. Mental reps. You're not having a lot of physical reps, but you're going to get some mental reps this week. So I think that's probably the thinking. Whereas Baker didn't take those those physical reps. Makes no, totally makes sense. It's just. It's, it's hard to look at a guy, no matter how what you want to qualify the previous week at, when you do so little, down 35 nothing at the half, a game where Carolina I mean, it was, was uncompetitive. It, it, wasn't all just, it wasn't all just him, though. I mean, that game was yeah. over at 14 to nothing. It was bad from the start, you know, and, and the defense has to assume a lot. They couldn't get off the field. I mean, they couldn't get off. They couldn't stop a team that can't run the ball from running the ball. That's what scares you. That's what makes Harry's position so strong. Is like, okay, they're going to come in with Cordell Patterson, and this and this team can't stop a running game. Carolina on the season, they fall now to 17th on the run on an overall EPA per play allowed basis, sixth in the in the run stop win rate leaderboard at ESPN. And you wonder how much of of a difference to the line does Cordero Patterson makes now, Michael? Where we all t- always talk about quarterback impact to the line. How much does that uh, move the needle for you when you're, you're looking at this line where it would be with versus without Patterson? Well, he's just a different back. I mean, he's a home run back. I mean, you know, they got called back for a holding penalty. If you remember off that left tackle, he ran that zone play mm-hmm. and he took it down the sideline. And I mean, he can just run through people. I mean, he is. And then he can impact the passing game, too. So he's so multidimensional. He could do so many different things. And he's so powerful. And he's so hard to tackle. I mean, I think that's really what we're talking about. And so that becomes a real issue. If you just think, though, about this, the, the whole Falcons stretch here coming up where you are still, at this moment, tied with Tampa atop the division at 4-5. and five. You're second on the odds board right now if you're Atlanta to win the division. And you have some very winnable games coming up where you host Chicago in your next week, and that'll have the extra rest coming off Thursday night football. Look, Commanders, Steelers, Saints will be the games after that. You have a game against the Cardinals still coming up. We've seen just the Jekyll and Hyde nature of of the Falcons. If if you're trying to figure out what side, uh, either to the good or the bad, you sit on with Atlanta, uh, where is it right now at, at four and five? Well, I mean, I sit on the good side of Atlanta because they found ways to win games, and Carolina hasn't been able to find ways. Early in the season, Carolina was in games other than the San Francisco game, and they couldn't find a way to win it. And I think you got to go with that. I think that, that Arthur Smith has done a really good job of getting his team ready and taking this six-pack approach 
and utilizing it to his full advantage. I mean, Mariota doesn't, you know, he doesn't throw the ball very much. They don't want to throw it. You know, they're going to pick, pick their times to throw it. And ultimately, they want to run the football and keep their defense off the field. I mean, he's trying to help his defense as much as possible. Right. Well, and if you look at it, too, if, if you're trying to make a, say, an in-season, let's look at either win total bets or division where the you know, Falcons are uh, yeah, they're still second choice behind Tampa Bay, plus money to come out of the NFC South. You have to look at the, the I would think, Michael, if you're handicapping this rest of the season, who are they facing rush defense-wise? We know if you yeah. look at if you look at the schedule here, Commanders have a very good rush defense. Cardinals do have a rush good rush defense. Outside of that, though, I mean, who else? And and we know the Saints have been number one. They just took a step back last week. So it's, if you look at this and the remaining schedule, I mean, you have Panthers below average at least on the season. Bears way below average. Steelers below average. That same deal with the Ravens and the Buccaneers. As weird as that is to say, so that's five games of your final eight where you ought to at least have that edge based on what you want to do and kind of that six pack type offense that you've talked about so often with Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's hard to defend too, right? It's not an easy offense to defend because you got to take account the quarterback and they've got backs who can break tackles and they're very good at doing it. They have an identity. They know exactly who they are. And I think part of that is is what makes you successful is know who you are. And Arthur, even when he got behind in Cincinnati, didn't change who he was. He was still going to run the ball. You know, they're just not – neither team – Carolina should be better on defense than they are. For them not to yeah. put any pressure on Joe Burrow was was disappointing to me. And we point that out, at least for the win total perspective, because it's still, I mean, it was four and a half when it first opened preseason. But if you wanted to get involved, seven and a half. Do you believe, can the Falcons basically split? Can they go four and four rest of the season? To, tomorrow night has a big indicator of, of where they will go there. But it's kind of the general point, Michael. There's so many ways to bet now in season with futures in general, and you can look at a shorter runway. Now that we have eight games left, what are strengths? What are weaknesses here? I still have a hard time trusting Atlanta tomorrow. I've been on them the, two of the last three weeks, and it's just been like a mental mental nightmare trying to get through those games. So I'm going to be staying away. I don't mind teasing Carolina <laughs> up, though, especially given, as you said, you would think the defensive improvements would be there. Backs against the wall at two and seven, but... I'm not, I can't, I, come on, I can't go on Harry's side. I can't lay with Atlanta with the way they've looked. I just can't do it. I don't blame you. I mean, there's, I, I can't, like, either I'm taking Chicago, but I'm not taking yeah. Detroit. I can tell you that. Like, that's my no nemesis way. right there. All right, great hanging with you as always, Michael. We'll see Thanks, you ben. You're back on the show Thanks, tomorrow. Thanks, Matt Santos. Yep. Uh, Matt Santos, our producer, Andrew Ingold, our technical director, Mikhail, Sean, Sergio, Troy, everybody. We have Vs and Big Bets with Dave Ross and Amal Shaw coming your way next. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? 
Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.